0: Hi, uh, this is Lindsey Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast on Friday, January 11th. On this week's episode, we're going to talk about the indictment of Gilbert Baker, signs of a delay in the return of local control to the LRSD, and more. I'm joined, as usual, by Max Brantley. Afternoon. So uh, the rumors were true. Former Republican State Senator Gilbert Baker was indeed indicted today by a federal grand jury for bribing former Judge Michael Maggio, who's now serving a prison term in federal prison.
1: Yeah, well, I want to say immodestly we got to jump on this earlier in the week by pointing out that Mike Maggio, for something like a month, has not been in federal prison where he's supposedly serving a 10-year sentence but in parts unknown and been spotted in Little Rock. Well, it turns out, indeed, he's cooperating with prosecutors and has decided belatedly, prison will do that to you, that maybe it'd be in his interest to help them prosecute some more people in his bribery case. And today Gilbert Baker was indicted. What was interesting was who was not indicted, and that's Michael Morton, the nursing home owner. Just about everything in the indictment of Gilbert Baker, who's a former Republican senator and lobbyist, was already well-known and widely reported on. Baker uh, used people to set up a bunch of packs to funnel lots of money from Michael Morton to uh, Mike Maggio for a race he planned to make for state court of appeals, and very shortly, just about the very time that uh, Mike Maggio reduced a jury verdict against one of Mike, Michael Morton's uh, nursing homes in Faulkner County from five point two million to one million dollars, the money started flowing into Mike Maggio's campaign. There are a lot of text messages back and forth between Maggio and Baker. And assorted people were in on the scheme uh, what they don't have is uh and clearly Maggio's cooperating but pretty clearly Gilbert Baker is not he was indicted he didn't enter a plea I think there were efforts made to once again bring Baker to the table to turn for the government and help them get Morton as of yet that hadn't happened doesn't mean it won't yet happen Morton of course says yes I've given campaign contributions to Mike Maggio and others but it was all legal and really the only person I think that can really land Mike Morton is Gilbert Baker and if he doesn't talk they may never charge Michael Morton however the time is
0: ticking but
1: well time is ticking now although the last check was sent at the end of January 2014 there's a five-year federal statute of limitations however there's a conspiracy charge involved and and if you continue to talk about the conspiracy, that's also an overt act. And the indictment today against Gilbert Baker describes the conspiracy as continuing into June of 2014. So there's maybe another six month window still at work, but that would be a matter for the for the lawyers to argue about. Uh, you know, there's there's as I say, most of it's not new, but pretty clearly Mike Maggio is prepared to say that Gilbert Baker what was offered to him was a pure quid pro quo, that uh, he's lied previously to the Ethics Commission and others about not knowing that there was any expectation of him delivering for Morton. And and there's a lot of other people involved in this. Uh, not And I want to say quickly before I name all these names, this indictment against Baker alleges no criminal activities against these people, but you know, you just don't want to be associated with a chain of events that includes setting up PACs to send money. Chris Stewart, a Little Rock lawyer, did that. It also would appear, however, that he's been accused of making straw contributions to the Maggio campaign and getting repaid with Morton money. There are people like Marvin Parks, a former legislator, Bruce Hawkins, a former legislator and lobbyist, Michael Lamaro, a former legislator and lobbyist, all of whom work for a tort reform operation that Michael Morton has supported over the years who've had some role in working and scheming on who gets elected to poli- to political office and then finally there's Rhonda Wood once Mike Maggio's best friend sat on the bench in Faulkner county with with uh, Maggio. she's not named by name, but she's named by reference individual e I think she's called in the indictment. Is somebody who met, too, with Baker about campaign contributions for the 2014 race. She received $48,000 from Michael Morton. This is something we've reported before. And and she said, I didn't do anything in return for it, and I was very careful about judicial awareness. But again, to have a sitting member of the Supreme Court nodded up in a campaign to elect people in which at least one of the candidates supposedly was involved in a bribe scheme, it doesn't exactly shed a lot of glory on anybody no
0: so uh, anything else to watch for in the coming days that
1: I think in the short run in this case no Uh, however I want to say that concurrent with the the explosion of rumors that turned out to be true about the Maggio Baker case is a is a new rise in information about other continuing investigations of at least two other legislators. One, one, again, accused of working with a special interest lobbyist in a private business in a way that may be legal, maybe not. And then another person involved in the great uh, Rusty Cranford kickback case with the, the social services agency, maybe somebody else who's perhaps received kickbacks in, in return for guiding some money to that agency. This is all still in the rumor category, but uh, it seems pretty clear that people are still talking to federal prosecutors still the grand jury is still meeting and so who knows there may be more my my own view of this is the more they indict the merrier that maybe it'll discourage some of this kind of activity in the future
0: so is the grand is the grand jury a revolving jury grand juries
1: are appointed for a period of time i think 18 months and they hear all manner of cases and although sometimes they'll have a a special grand jury because there's such a huge thing that involves a a mess of cases where they look at one thing. But I think this is a regular grand jury and they generally meet on a regular, their, their members aren't known they're secret and they meet on a, on a scheduled time and, and hear testimony as it's available. The story was, is that Mike Maggio appeared before the grand jury again this week and, and Baker was indicted yesterday and it was released today.
0: But grand jury, like I could get someone to be a member of the grand jury.
1: Yeah, it's just drawn drawn from a pool like like Everything they draw else. jurors. Yeah,
0: just it sounds.
1: But it's super so, secret, and if you talk about what goes on in it, it is a serious federal crime. Really? So okay. there are not many leaks that come from grand juries as a rule. Sometimes, but not often. Though, of course, and, and we're not suggesting that that happened
0: in this case. No, there no, no, all, no, all no. However,
1: I, I mean, I think I can. More than provide more than a hint of why things were coming out in this case. We know they've talked to Mike Maggio. We know they've talked to Gilbert Baker. We know they've talked to a range of people named in this indictment, all of whom were represented by lawyers. And so we're talking about a lot of people that have passed through the U.S. prosecutor's office. And, and by the way, I could go testify before a grand jury, and I could choose to tell the world what I said it doesn't happen very often but the people who are on the grand jury the people who are participants in it they're they're bound and so but the fact is if you go into a U.S. attorney's office and talk to them that's you're not you're not duty bound not to say anything it's usually in your interest not to but there are a lot of people who know things and are interested and there's some well let's call them innocent bystanders or maybe not so innocent bystanders these are all people who knew each other well, who were friends, who worked together, who were associates in business together, and and so they're exchanging notes, and word is getting around.
0: Okay. Oh, well, let's move on. So the State Board of Education met today and unexpectedly uh, <clears throat> turned uh, again toward the Lorette School District. Uh, State Board Member Susan Chambers who's often uh, talked a good game when it comes to LRSD and rarely voted. She's from Northwest Arkansas, by the way. Voted that way, uh, brought up her frustration that there uh, wasn't, uh, there isn't a plan, a clearly outlined plan for turning the district uh, to local control of what's going on with it. And uh, Sharice Dean uh, of Litterock and Fitzhill, also of Litterock, both chimed in, saying they too were uh, concerned about this. In the course of that conversation, uh, Board Chair Jay Barth, also of LITERAC, uh asked for clarification about when the the district was uh, when the timeline for return to local control. And uh, State uh, Education Department Attorney Lori Freno said um, that only movement had to happen by January 1st. She, this, The department, a different department of attorney last year had said the school board needs to be in place by, not January 1st, I'm sorry, by the whenever it was, January 28th. Basically, the
1: previous legal opinion said elections needed to be held in November 2019. Right. So the now Freno the today says they don't need to be held until November 2020, which is significant in a couple of ways. Number one, it's another year, which means the Little Rock schools will be in effective state control for six years, not five. It also puts the election in a presidential election year where there will be a huge turnout, and I think we can predict today that the Walton money will, will roll in as it has in other cities. As they try and elect a school board that's friendly to their view of how schools ought to be run—that is, more charter schools, more choice—and if it craters a, a conventional public school district, they really don't care.
0: Though so even more worrisome, she didn't she didn't only focus on the election. She noted that under Act 930, right, uh, the law gives the board a range of options, including uh, installing a limited authority board. Uh, a handover to another entity. um, Right. Right. There might not, there
1: might not, right. There was a change in the law that gives the state board of education just unlimited authority. And I don't, I don't think there's any guarantee we ever get the school district
0: back. By coincidence, uh, the associated press held a a legislative preview today and uh, Benji Hardy was there and he asked the governor when the district uh, needed to be returned and ASA said, uh, well, we need to return local control when, whenever the school children are getting a quality education. Uh, that's the responsibility of the state, and that's what's called the State Board of Education to bring under state control. the little That's not district. a very good answer. Then he went on to say, we do not want state control over any school district one day longer than is necessary to achieve that academic performance.
1: That's that's a terrible answer.
0: That's what we're measuring. There is a timeline right now under current law, which is five years. There may be some exceptions to it, but it's generally a five-year time frame. And so that is January of next year. It's about a year away. So I think great strides have been made in terms of facilities and plans, teacher training, but there's more to be done. We're hopeful that we'll have success, and we can return that as soon as possible. Boy,
1: that's a terrible answer. All of that indicates he's fully in on the knowledge that they can do whatever the hell they please with the Little Rock School District. Yeah, I mean, we're, he, we're sunk. There was a, there, we're, we're done. He
0: it was a very lawyerly answer. Where, he— but the bottom
1: line is, is nothing. i am give yeah. you nothing.
0: Where he he repeatedly said, you know, there's we're we can do whatever. Little Rock, basically. the Little Rock
1: School District is screwed. It is it is toast, is what I think.
0: So, uh, though, I, uh, f- interesting that you've got people like Chambers Dean and Hill all expressing some concern well, the about... States,
1: yeah, well, the state school board's been under a great deal of public blowback from the organized effort here to people say we want our schools back and we don't like some of the things you're trying to do to our school district. And Cherise Dean and Fitzhill both live here. Fitzhill's been kind of nominally working with the Little Rock School District on some athletic matters. And so, you know, and the state board has been criticized with good reason because they they haven't lowered the boom on charter schools, but they lowered the boom on the Little Rock School District. And it's utterly hypocritical for the governor to say the stuff he does while allowing other districts around the state in just abysmal circumstances (coughs) to go on their merry way. But I think there's a plan afoot to to do to Little Rock what was done in New Orleans. I, I won't be the least bit surprised if we see a return of the Walton legislation to turn the whole district, except for, oh, maybe a couple of Gary Newton's favorite schools, turn them over to uh, private school management corporations and charterize the whole thing.
0: Well, uh, of course, the board is made up uh, entirely of Hutchinson Pointe, yeah, aside, from, aside from Barth and, and, funny enough, Diane Zook, though she, she votes very yeah. in line with Hutchinson. But, I mean, it's an independent board. It could buck.
1: Well, I'd like to be surprised, and I hope my cynicism and pessimism are misplaced. But to date, all the actions have been not in the interest of Little Rock School District. The one reason why the state might want to let go is simply because they've been pretty much a failure at delivering improvements in the school district and they might want to not be to blame for it you know there was this thing this week where channel 7 did a nice little piece of reporting about how schools around the state are ignoring a state law that says when kids are truant don't punish them by putting them in out of school suspension i mean you miss school and you get punished by saying you can't go to school it's really stupid and you get farther behind and johnny key was quoted as saying well this is absurd well johnny Key among the school districts that have been under state control, that have done this, are Little Rock, Pulaski County, Pine Bluff, and Dollarway, which nominally he's in charge of. the The stats didn't cover all of his time, but the fact is, currently, this happens, and the state education department has done nothing about it. There's no accountability. Johnny Key is the least accessible state leader I've ever seen. You can't get any information out of him. It's just a disaster, and I I think he's getting his marching orders for the Waltons, and whatever it is they've told him to do, that's what's going to happen. Unfortunately, that's not available to the public to see it. Just you learn about it when it happens.
0: All right, let's talk about just a couple other things. Uh, Big uh, highway project news this week. Uh
1: and tax, and don't forget the income tax news, which is huge. well, the highway project news is this they the highway commission met Wednesday to uh pick somebody to design the the thirty crossing project, which is the big wider concrete gulch through downtown Little Rock and the the experts and not just the one that they picked, but all the ones that bid on it said the work is as designed would cost more than a billion dollars, and they've only got. $530 million available to spend on it. By the way, it was estimated when they first drew it up, it cost $325 million. So the cost is, the estimated cost is tripled. The money on hand is only half what's needed. And what this means is, is they're going to have to scale the project down substantially where they were talking about doing this project from the north, almost seven miles from the north terminal to the south terminal interchange, Now we're really just talking about replacing the Arkansas River Bridge and the approaches, which will then create enormous headaches on down the line. It'll strip any improvements that were planned to help uh, mitigate the damage on downtown Little Rock. Any help with our traffic grid is hopeless. Any help with aesthetic improvements to the state is hopeless. And Richard Mays, who's been working with people who, uh, who plan to sue over this project on environmental grounds, says he doesn't see how they can dramatically alter the scope of the project without doing a whole brand-new environmental assessment. Uh, They don't seem to think so, but it's just a mess. It's it's a mess. I mean, and the Highway Department has never given any consideration to the fact that there might be different ways to do things. Their idea is they see a road and you approve a road by widening. It's just that's all it is. They don't they pay no attention to studies around the world about how widening roads just induces new demand, fixes nothing. They don't see other cities that are taking different approaches to freeways. They prefer to encourage suburban growth rather than higher density urban growth. I mean, that's just the way it's going to be. And, and so we'll have some lawsuits before it's over. But how they'll solve this problem is, is a good question because the state has money problems. We're about to enter a legislative session where the highway people say, we just don't have enough money. Now, nobody's ever given a thought to saying, well, maybe if we did highways differently, we wouldn't need so much money. Maybe we maintain too many miles of roads. Maybe all these freeway projects aren't really in the long run, cost-benefit-wise, because they create the need for new costs. Well, that that's not going to happen. But we've got a state budget that is already shorting sufficiency for schools and the amount that is every year a legislative agency says this is how much more you got to spend on schools to meet the state supreme court ruling on sufficiency and adequacy they always provide less that'll happen again this year we don't have nearly enough money for our prisons even if we go to a justice reform and try and have more community-based services that costs more money we don't have that money we don't have enough probation parole officers and meanwhile Hutchinson wants to cut income taxes by $200 million. And we learned today that his plan to do that, a new analysis shows, actually would raise taxes for 200,000 poorer people by the tune of $33 million, which means the $200 million tax cut nearly all goes to rich people. <laughs> it's, you know, this is, uh, it's Kansas light at a minimum, and, and maybe Kansas, full Cleveland, Kansas, before it's all over with.
0: And what, has the governor responded to that analysis?
1: Well, he, he, he has not disputed the analysis on the income tax impact. They, listen, it's simple arithmetic. It really didn't take a genius to figure it out. This is what they did. They've essentially raised taxes at the lower end of the spectrum. For example, if you make less than $4,000 a year now, you only owe 0.9% in income tax. They change it to 2% it's a hundred percent increase in your income tax for however, and there are thousands and thousands of people who pay at that level. Well, but then they've, lo- then they've lowered the top bracket from 6.9 to 5.9%. That's a 15% cut in your effective rate. And if you're Jim Walton, that tax cut is worth millions of dollars to him. And so it just, the the, the arithmetic and, and it's reflected throughout the scale. I don't, I think you have to get up to Fifteen or $18,000 before you start to pay it at a ra- at the higher rate, but everybody is paying that higher rate at the lower bracket. I mean, it's I'm not explaining this very well, but believe me, it's arithmetic. He doesn't dispute that in short, but he said, well, we're going to fix that, but I don't see how you fix it unless you take some money away from rich people, which doesn't seem to be popular these days, or you reduce the size of the tax break. So uh, good. Good luck for that. And they want to. And they want to rob general revenue to pay for highways. And you know they're going to steal some sales tax to pay for highways. I. You know. I. I, uh, I don't see how they get their way out of this, really. But who knows?
0: And to update uh, something we talked about last week. Former... And never mind
1: Medicaid, sure. which is a disaster
0: read uh, Benji Artie's latest report on that on the Arkansas blog. Uh, to update what we talked about last week, former Republican legislator Duncan Baird was indeed picked as the new uh, director of the Arkansas Public Employees Retirement System.
1: What a shock, and so I'm sure very shortly now we'll hear that Charlie Collins has risen to succeed Duncan Baird at df a Well, you know, Duncan Baird seemed to be a nice guy, and I, he's, I think, competent on a numbers point of view, and You know, you got to give your friends jobs, and that's, you know, they they changed the law so Asa could control the board and get rid of the previous director, Gail Stone, who did a good job, by the way, and put Duncan Baird in her place. But the most interesting thing that happened that day really wasn't the hiring of Duncan Baird, but it was the concurrent action by the board to approve a bunch of legislative changes in public employee retirement. They want to do away with the automatic 3% annual COLA increase in benefits for retirees. They want to make you put more into the system than they now have to put in. They want to reduce the credit you get when you multiply your years of service to compute your final pension. In short, all of these all of these things make a pension cost more to the retired employee and pay less. Now, the reason they want to do that is so that the systems are more actuarially sound. I get it. But it's not good news if you're a retired public employee. And that's what this is about. And I don't think you can expect Duncan Baird to do anything but go along with it because he's put there to implement that. They ought to be just happy. I mean, there's certainly a desire someday to move away from defined benefit pension plans entirely and go to something like a 401K, which you put in some money and the state puts in some money and you manage it and whatever's produced at the end of time that's what you get but that's different than what they have now which is there's a formula that says if you made x amount and worked x number years and you're x age you do the multiplier and this is what your pension is and that's that's a pretty good system and, and it used to be widely available in the United States uh, particularly in union shops and uh, it built an enormous middle class in America because they could look to a retirement years where they could afford to live. And it's gone away, and the pension, the defined benefit pension, has become a dodo. It's almost extinct. And, you know, that's good for government. It reduces government's costs, but it doesn't increase quality of living. And, and it doesn't increase the desirability of being a public employee, for that matter. And, of course, I mean, the, the ruling class now has a pretty low view of public employees, except those that they give patronage jobs to. And those guys are all worth six figure salaries and being well taken care of.
0: No, there's a real concern, as as we've reported on the Arkansas blog, that the legislature will go after the, the teacher's retirement system, which is the
1: largest. Well, I, I don't think there's any doubt that these same measures are envisioned for the teachers. The problem for the teachers was, is they parked a guy from Hutchinson's office over there to take over from George Hopkins, but it didn't happen because currently the teacher's retirement system board is controlled by retired educators. And they don't currently have gubernatorial control of that board like they do the public employee's retirement system. And I think we may yet see legislation where the governor takes over the teachers, too. Now, they're a bigger group and more powerful because there's so many more of them. But as we've seen, there's not a real, by efforts to do away with the teacher fair dismissal law, for example. I mean, teachers are not held in real high regard these days by the controlling office holders. So I, I, expect, I expect that's coming... For teachers as well. All right,
0: on that cheery note, let's move on to endorsements.
1: <laughs> it's all bad, isn't it? It's all terrible as ever. Well, I, I confess a, a a weakness and that is I, I I I'm just always like Connie Britton. And Con, Connie Britton's great. I think Connie Britton's great. Maybe it's because my age, I don't know, but uh from back when she was Tammy on Friday Night Lights. But she's the star of a Bravo series called Dirty John. It's and it's
0: an adaptation of a podcast.
1: Yeah, it's an adaptation of a podcast and built on a true story and it's been dramatized. And I don't know necessarily that the that the enactment of it is that great or that Connie's that great except I think she's kind of hot for an old lady, but you know, but uh but the story is fabulous. It's about this serial con man who tricks women into all sorts of things and and just, you know, in, in in her case, she's a very successful designer and it's a gold digging scheme. And and he just gets these women to, to buy all kinds of outlandish stuff. And it's all apparently true. I mean, only Mar and their deaths and just terrible things that happen. So it's the story itself is, is pretty engrossing. Okay. Are you going to watch True Detective this Sunday? Well, you know, I really was bummed out. I quit series two. It was so bad. And I know this one's in Arkansas. I just read a big New York Times review today that said it wasn't that hot, but it was kind of more like Series 1. So if you just viewed it as kind of in that fashion, it was okay. So maybe. I mean, I'll I'll probably try it. Yeah, I mean, I'll probably try it.
0: Okay. Well, uh, Sam Eifling, our excellent movie critic, is going to be doing weekly recaps. So check that out on arktimes.com. And also, I hope people know, but we haven't mentioned on the podcast, that... We uh, ended the weekly edition at the end of last year and have been furiously preparing the first uh, monthly magazine, which comes out January 31st, uh, if the creek don't rise. Um, and I think it's going to be great.
1: It's going to be a glossy, slick magazine. It's going to
0: be more than 100
1: pages. Somewhat so was, back to our roots as a monthly magazine, but but probably a little newsier, probably, yeah, would you say? Yeah, I think so. I think and, so. And but, but please... The the blog and the website not only don't go away, but I think they're going to be more vibrant.
0: Yeah, we are uh, <clears throat> we're, we are steadily investing more in those. So so stay with us and uh, don't be shy about telling us what you think and what we can do better. Um, my endorsement though is making uh, homemade wooden toy weapons for your children. Uh, I, made, I made my son's swords, uh, wooden swords for Christmas, but then my wife vetoed giving our four-year-old son one because she was afraid he would brain his older brother, which was probably prudent. Um, and But then I found when I was at home a, a rubber rubber band gun that either my dad or my grandfather made for me when I was a kid and brought that home and then used it as a template to, to make some more. Uh, I'm in the process. Rubber band
1: gun won't put your eye out?
0: I don't know. I, I, think, I think that uh, we'll, we'll have some, uh, some rules, but these are I can, not I can see powered. a nice
1: crude zip gun, a little, you know, blocky, little wooden pistol. I mean, it's a wooden
0: right? pistol. It's not a rifle. Yeah. <laughs> well. So, I'm excited to get in. Next is going to be uh, bow and arrow.
1: With a with a rubber this, ball, on the, it. all this aggression. I, don't, I mean, I don't get it.
0: Uh, you've been around little boys
1: lately. They need... I've said, I think I've said before that my favorite toys of childhood were wooden blocks, just plain blo- blocks of different shapes that you could just stack and build stuff with.
0: Oh yeah, tall tall towers. That's that was a huge phase. But now we've moved on to wanting to pound things. Okay. Or just being in the backyard swinging a sword is pretty fun.
1: Well, that's okay as long as you don't hit anybody else with it. That's true.
0: Thanks for listening. Subscribe via iTunes. Give us a rating and a review. We'll be back.